When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I have to have you. No, you don't. I couldn't do it without you. You could do this all on your lonesome. No way. <laughs> It'd be boring as shit. You you had fun. It's nice to have you here. It's... I'm fun? Yeah, I think you're fun. Thanks. Yeah, I don't like to be alone. I think you know that I, about me. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, I don't like to be alone. No. Do you? I, I could be alone, yeah. All right, well, fine. I could I could no, do this. I could be alone. I just you know I think what we're saying is I should do this on Why don't my we own switch then, switch around. Yeah, I'll just do this. And then um I'll you do just it. hang out. <laughs> I think that works. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoy it today, if you're here for uh Alan Richson and you enjoy it, I hope you'll write a review. You'll follow us on our handles, which are at inside of you podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at inside of you pod on the Facebook? Uh, wait, at Inside of You Podcast on Facebook. Oh, Instagram and Facebook is at Inside of You Podcast. Podcast and at Inside of You Pod on the Twitter. And write a review and listen. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, I, ho- I hope you're with us. I hope you listen to us uh, weekly and not just for, you know, intermittently. You want people to listen to you and hopefully like the uh, interviews that you're bringing. Yes. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I'm a little slow this morning. A little slow. <laughs> It is two o'clock in the afternoon. Is it two o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> it is when we're Good recording for you. We got a great guest today. Uh, <laughs> Jack Reacher is coming out. Jack Reacher is out. Uh, it'll be out when this yeah. airs. Mm-hmm. So check out Jack Reacher. Alan has worked incredibly hard. Uh, my guest today. Some crazy stories. I couldn't believe how open and honest uh, Alan was. It's great. It's a good one. I mean, he talks sometimes where I just looked at him like, "Holy shit, dude! This is yeah." I mean, he really got deep, and you're going to learn a lot, and I think you're going to respect him for his uh, his sincerity, his vulnerability, mm-hmm. his uh, just mm-hmm. being down to earth and real. Uh, guys, I want to thank all my patrons. If you're listening and you don't know what a patron is, you go to patreon.com slash inside of you, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash inside of you. Um, people who give back to the podcast – Without patrons, I don't know where this podcast would be, but you guys really keep it going. And um, those that give back, you can look on there. There's tiers. There's a top tier where I send packages to you every four months. Um, I do YouTube lives. It's a it's a family affair. It's a lot of fun. I really love it. Um, I just did a, a whatchamacallit, a Zoom with all my top tier patrons. Cool. And we had a Zoom. We had a nice chat. It was really lovely. Uh, also the inside of you online store is open is around. We have some Smallville scripts signed by me, Smallville lunchbox. We have, uh, pictures. We have inside of you mugs. We have new mugs. We have tons of stuff. Go to the inside of you online store and check that out. Also I'm on cameo. You could get a nice fun, happy cameo from me. Isn't that great? Nice. Like for instance, Ryan, if you were, uh, if you got a cameo from me, you go, Ryan, dude, Hey, Happy freaking birthday, buddy. It's your friend here. Why don't I just get one right now? Well, I'm giving you one right here. You're just you just edit this out. <laughs> I'm getting do. a free cameo. Yeah, you got a free cameo. Um, 
I want to thank everybody for coming to see uh, my band Sunspin. We did a live virtual show. We do one at the end, the last Saturday of every month. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be informing you on upcoming shows. But again, listen to the show. Write a review. I, I really hope you do. And without further ado, why don't we just get inside of Alan Richson? It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. I mean, you're doing a lot of press right now. You're de- Jack Reacher is a huge show. It's going to be a huge show on Amazon. Well, we hope. You hope people watch it. <laughs> yeah. I hope Yeah, I hope that 200 million people that have read the books you know, want to watch the show. I think they're probably going to give it a shot. I think the movie was a big success. They got to be intrigued. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I mean, and it's good. It's faithful, man. It's, it's very faithfully adapted. To, for those that don't know, I play Reacher on the TV series. It was a film. It's also, there's 26, seven books. Are there you 27 know. books, really? Yeah. A lot of books. Yeah. Holy shit. How do they write that much about Jack Reacher? What's so interesting about Jack Reacher? Have you read the books? I, I'm not a big reader. Rosenbaum. Have you read the books, Ryan? I'm not a Jack Reacher, no. Guys, not Jack Reader. This is like the second highest selling book of all time. Do you read Harry Potter? Have you ever read the Harry Potter? I did books? read Harry, some Harry Potter. Of course you did. You nerd. I, I, I'm a bit of a nerd. What? A ne- I read two of them. I wrote. I read uh, the first one and the second one. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm more into nonfiction, but uh, right. But for watching a television program, like self help books. I, yeah, well, sure. I'm trying to work on myself nowadays. I do the same thing. Do you? I, you know, on your Instagrams, you're very uh, open, very personable, and uh, welcoming, and I really appreciate that. You're very humble. Like uh, I, I see your Instagram lives that you do that. What is? What inspired you to do that? And what are you doing? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, thanks for that, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I had, an, I guess, like an early midlife crisis. Really? And uh, Yeah, sure. Because how old are you? I've been very open about it. Um, I'm 39 now. You're 39? Yeah. How old are you? I'm 49. How old are you? 33. Oh, a baby. What an infant. <laughs> Take your diaper off and change it. <laughs> yeah, change his diaper right now. <laughs> yeah. But wow, so you had a midlife crisis. I think I'm having one of those now. In the Are past you? four years, yeah. In, in, what, in what way? Just overwhelmed, uh, anxious, uh, had a little bout of depression, had a little, uh, you know, um, there's a lot of things that just kind of escalated. So what, So depression, though, this is something I dealt with for the first time. And, and, you know, I have an understanding of what I think I personally, this is not like, a, I'm not a scientist here, you know, right, I think I. I understand where depression comes from. Talk about it. But w- what is it for you? I'm just curious where, where you think. Um, I think it's these, these. Uh, I think, you know, they always say the past is depression and the future is anxiety. When you're thinking into the future, mm. you're thinking anxiety. When you're thinking into the past, it's sort of depression. Um, I think with me is uh, when I get anxious or when I am in pain, I, I almost feel a sense of I'm not whole i'm not complete i'm not perfect i'm not all these things and it gives me anxiety thinking how do i get back to normalcy and mm-hmm. what is normalcy and uh well when i was 30s i could and i think when i in my 20s and 30s i could deal with high levels of stress and get through it because i was young and everything was you know i was more i don't know if i was more athletic but i was just younger and then right. at a certain level the same stresses were there but my body wasn't taking it in like it did it wasn't uh 
it was kind of wrecking me. Right. So, you know, I'm like, why am I always fucking tired? My friend Tom's like, because you're fucking 49, dude. I'm right. like, no, that's not it. I'm I'm always tired, though. I'm always, people are like, are you okay? You're a little tired. I'm like, fuck you. I hate when people do I that. I hate when me. people say you look tired. Especially for somebody like myself who's, you know, I regenerate alone. Like, that's when I'm, you know, I, I can go, you know, people see like the characters that I do. They're so high energy. Right. But when I'm, when I'm by myself, I'm not like... I'm like doing pe- mountains of blow off the coffee table. You know, I'm just, I'm retreating into myself, into my thoughts. And, right. and so people see that and, and they think that kind of isolation is like, there's something wrong with you. Right. It drives me crazy as a performer. People expect you to sort of be on. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. That's but, exactly right. That, and, and I feel like that's, you and I are, uh, we share that, that people always think of me as uh, hyper or, you know, always on and being funny and the second that i'm not something's wrong with right, me right right and uh you know that's yeah i've had to deal with that my whole life but also when i think when you talk about depression depression can you know really be the past it could be things that have like sort of happened in your childhood things that have happened that you haven't addressed trauma and trauma right. certain trauma so there's everybody has their demons and you know i'm you know i work through mine with therapy and you know try to exercise and but uh, I'm, I'm just, I expect more out of myself. And mm. that's a lot, lot to handle. Like I always, like, you can't be tired. You, you're not allowed to be tired. You can't oh, yeah. be, you, you, and, and I'm like, well, what's wrong with me that I can't, you know, uh, and I'm just, I have to, I do have to put things into perspective. Like you aren't 38, 39, you are 49. You're going to get more tired. Right. You're going to deal you know, but well, I not want- only that, but we live in a culture right now that not right now we have the Western culture. You know, as long as capitalism's been around, w- that feeds this idea into our minds from the, a very young age that says if you aren't grinding yourself down, you're not you're not working hard enough, and if you don't work hard enough, you won't be successful. Right. You know, this correlation between hard work and fatigue and success. Elon Musk, you know, I think tweeted recently something that was just sort of. You know, if you're not working 80, 90 hours a week, you're not, you know, you don't deserve it, whatever it is you're after. I don't know, you know. That's a lot. Not not quoting him, but, but you know, and it's, um, you know, the, the fact that we should feel like, you know, we deserve poverty or somebody deserves poverty because they decide to rest their body a little bit is a ridiculous <laughs> idea when yourself, you think right, about right, it, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, that idea that like, you know, we should be, we should be going all the time is Crazy. It's crazy. It's good. That's really. I think it's what kills us. That's crazy. I think it what's, what tortures us is that we just don't take a break from it. We don't uh, give ourselves a moment. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what it was for me. You know, I mean, I think it's a couple of things. You talk about trauma. Certainly, regret and shame has something to do with the present state of feeling depressed. You know, um, but I think, um, I think, really, for me, I think at its core the the deepest tap root of depression has to do with purpose and and uh, mm. when we stray from purpose or we don't understand our purpose meaning why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing with everything that you know is within our orbit um, I think you know that's just a one red flag you know depression um, you know but I'll, you know also like a very the you know from a very realistic standpoint a scientific standpoint brain incoherency is a very real thing that nobody really talks what about is that you know we've got these five brain waves right that the alpha the beta you know they're all fighting for supremacy at any one time you know and we are very good at remaining in the the, the one brain wave from the time that we wake up in the morning to the time that we go to sleep that is the most high energy most demanding most sapping it's the one that we feel like we can problem solve present in the moment it's almost fight or flight 
but that's not how we were made to exist. That's something that we should be able to tap into and then and then, you know, turn that gear off, you know, right. switch the transmission a little bit. And we're better in um, a brainwave state that's more calm and reflective and meditative. And we find that our high creative, you know, the, the most creative uh, versions of ourself um, is usually expressed in that brainwave state, which we have to force ourselves into you know, yeah. especially with all the noise that we have in culture. And how do we do that? Through meditation, prayer, so things surfing. that they just don't really embed in your not psyche at all. But this is not part, slowing down and meditating is not part of the conversation. That's not part of the you know successful Norm. equation. If you you know if there's a formula for success today, like we were, you know like I was just saying, it's not it's not slowing down and thinking or finding ways to just move. You know. Um, um, you know, they, like, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's these adult swing sets that, that are, that are being built that are just about creating a motion for your brain that actually can help trigger a response with your brain waves that are, you know, really? Yeah. Like surfing is, is also, but you know, there's certain ways to create a flow for your brain that actually put it in a certain state, you know? Um, but that when, when we're in this frenetic brain energy, that's taxing, um, all the time. And, you know, the body really wants to be somewhere else. That incoherency is detrimental to our spirit, our body, right. all that, you know? So, um, so I think when we're, when we are incoherent and everything sort of all are battling at the same time for some, some healthy state in us, um, we might feel or express that as like this feeling of depression. I think of like, I can't handle this, you know? How old were you when you got this, when you had this so-called midlife crisis of what you, what you call it? Yeah, probably, uh, I think I was maybe 36, 35, 36. 35, 36. So you've already, at this point, you have three boys. Right. So you have three kids, you're married, and then, I don't want to say you decide <clears throat> to have a midlife crisis. You have a midlife yeah, crisis. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I think for me, it was a matter of, you know, you, you know, you think, I think when you have kids, there's a part of you that thinks, there's no way it can ever go wrong for me. I have to find a way to make everything go right, because look at what I responsible for now Oof, scary you know like there's no you know i'm not there's no luxury of making mistakes anymore you know right. or bad decisions or whatever and unfortunately you find that like you know like all things you know marriage you know people sometimes don't don't use marriage to fix your relationship you know those problems will follow you same thing with kids like i think some people think i, I didn't go into having kids thinking this but you know um there's a pressure you know um as any decent human being i think would have to go like i have to provide I don't want to stability. Fail. Yeah. I don't want to fail and I don't want to like fall apart and I don't want to, it's, uh, you know, another way to say it is like, I no longer have the luxury of discovering who I am. I have to just know that moment, this instant. Now I'm a father. I better know who I am because if I don't, there's something terribly wrong with this situation. That's going to be out that's of terrifying, you know? Yeah. It and is, I don't even have to is. deal with that. And I'm, I'm getting anxiety thinking about it. Yeah. And, well, and, and these are thoughts I think that maybe we have with ourselves, like on a subconscious level, at least I did. It wasn't something I could vocalize at the time. I didn't, I, I think I knew somewhere deep down that there was a bit of panic, but you're also, you know, you do what you do, especially when you're young, where you're like, you're just, I'm not, you know, there's no problem here. <laughs> I can do this. I can do this. And I'm going to have to have to do this. I have to. You have no choice. Get up, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> you got three kids. Get to fucking work. That's Let's the, go. That's right. it. That's what society and what every, everybody's telling you sort of like, and you are kind of falling apart at the same time, right? Trying right. to be this man that you can't possibly be or are trying to be. Right.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy. Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money it's just throwing away money ryan i i found one you and you did it you told I me i got rocket money <laughs> okay i found one it i'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on but thank you for finding it <laughs> my god it was embarrassing <laughs> yeah because it's like you want to watch some show and you go oh, i have to subscribe to this uh this streaming uh, whatever mm -hmm. and you you start streaming the show you watch it you leave and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month it's, it is embarrassing Ugh. you know 75 percent of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. So do you feel like there's a pressure of you're you're trying to be the best dad, trying to be the best uh, husband, trying to do all these things? And that's what part of it was. Yes. And then trying to reconcile that with reality, which, you know, um, there were moments that I were very difficult, you know, and, and, you know, keeping my marriage together was very difficult. You know, I was, you know, as my career was accelerating and I was working on bigger films with bigger stars and, um, you know, and then realizing, you know, not everybody that you work with cares that you're married. And, you know, there's a lot of friction because uh, some people would rather you not be married. And then you're like, maybe I shouldn't be married. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, it's very, you know, um, uh, it's a difficult, uh, it's a difficult place to be. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of growing pains, you know, for somebody who grew up very blue collar. Um, in North Dakota. And yeah, I was born in North Dakota. I, I was raised in Illinois and Florida. You know, my, I have a place in Florida now. I live there now. Um you know, uh, being confronted with, you know, um, you know, starlets and, you know, films and the press and, and what people so often, you know, attribute to, uh, celebrity, like the, you know, the red carpets right. and the picture, you know and I mean? You know, there's like the glitz and glam of it all, which is not all it is at all. No, it's a very small part of it. Right. Um, and a part of it that doesn't matter, but, um, you know, being confronted with that and going like, oh, there's this whole other side of life that I had no idea existed and now I'm being exposed to it, but I'm also married and I've got the young kids and who I, who am I? Did I jump the gun here? You know, I mean, you have to, right. you start to second guess yourself. You gotta be lying if I didn't say that, you know, I've been very open with my wife about this, you know, and you were there, enticed. There was mo- Yeah, sure. There's moments where like, I don't know if, you know, um, I don't know if the life I chose is the life I want right now, you know? And then you start, you know, and then you feel a huge amount of guilt and shame for even thinking those thoughts, you right. know, which, um, so there was, you know, that was, there was sort of that thing I like under the cauldron a little bit. Um, but then I, you know, I, I, bizarrely for me, it was, I had a very good year, like a very good year, Wow! but it was too, it was too much. You know, I took on every, you know, I wrote, I, you know, I write down my goals at the beginning of the year, put right. it on paper. Let me put it out into the world. I want to direct a film. I want to sell this script. I want to sell a manuscript for a book. I want to do, and everything that I, I, every, I ticked every box. You were making it happen. Yeah, dude, it was a good year. And, um, you know, reap the rewards from that financially, you know, and, uh, but servicing all those monsters that I was creating was becoming too much. And so I had to force myself into this brainwave state for nine months. I like made myself manic to deal with this, you know? So I've got identity issues, issues Steel of dealing with that. sure i mean all, you know sure. un, you know not like i was t- talking about it every day but just knowing that there's something behind the the veil there that's like i'm not sure who i am or what my purpose is here in my marriage or in my life or career and then i'm manic for 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 far longer than i should be to to service all these masters and uh and then i had the straw that i think broke the camel's back was um i had a business partner who i had done everything right for, you know, I had, uh, I, you know, honored faithfully all our contracts, like was doing a great job making 
a successful business for You're us. You're honest. Very honest. And uh, multiple audits by some of the biggest auditing firms to prove that because there were like false allegations when there was retribution for me deciding to walk away. But um, I was confronted with a business partner who um, gave me an ultimatum, you know, well into our business dealings together. Like if I didn't provide this quid pro quo relationship thing that she was going to um, destroy my reputation and our businesses. She didn't care. She had so much money anyway. And, uh, you know, you know, needing, being confronted with this sense of like, well, you know, I know I'm not perfect and I have issues, but when you do it all right, and this is where you end up anyway, in a, in like a long drawn out legal battle, just trying to, um, you know, you know, protect your reputation because you got somebody making these false. Act. You know, right. I mean, I had lawyers calling me up, going, "You're dead meat, buddy," and I'm like, "Who is this?" And they're like, "We know that you've been buying houses with, you know, Bitcoin, and you've been taking stealing money from the company, and you've been buying cars." Jesus, and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Like, I've never audited me then. There's nothing worse than being innocent or not having done anything wrong, and, and people being accusing, accusing you. you of it. That's, that's this a person looked. Feeling. This person looked me in the eye and said, "If you don't come up to my hotel room right now and give me what I want, I'm going to call TMZ." And tell them that you are you you sexually assaulted me, tried to rape me, and by the time you Holy clear, by the time by the time you clear it up, everybody will already think that you're that you know like it won't matter the damage will be done, that, like that to my face that, is... that threat and I was like you you're making a huge mistake like this is, that's not I mean I'm, and you're feeling this yeah you're dude, feeling so, the stress you're feeling the anxiety oh, yeah dude all that man so. Um, so, 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 you know, I flew, I flew home after that conversation and a guy lawyered up, you know, to protect myself. And thankfully, like nothing ever happened, you know, that came of it. But, um, but, uh, you know, that coming, coming out of that season of busyness and, and all that, the manic energy for far longer than we should ever have to sustain that kind of energy, this, I, you know, this, this crisis of like faith in humanity, you know, um, a little bit of uncertainty of like where I should be right An now. An identity crisis a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know? it all, dude. It and you pro, you came to your wife and you told her honestly, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm thinking and I don't want to ruin this marriage, but these are kind of what's... I came to her and I said, I think it's better if I'm not here. <laughs> really? Yeah. And what'd she say? Please don't do anything crazy. You know, it was a very real conversation. Oh, so you were like here, meaning like if you weren't alive. Yeah. You were that bad. You were dark. It was very, I could not pull myself out of it. You know, because once I, once I got settled down back in LA, after all of it, after all the dust settled, I was like, I, could, I couldn't get up in the morning. Like, you know, the things that you talk about with depression, like I could, you know, only wanted to sleep all the time. It felt so foreign to me. Somebody with like this zest for life and this energy that's, you know, I mean, this I drive, it. this work ethic, like it's, uh, it's insatiable. And to feel like I don't, I can't get out of bed. I didn't understand why I would want to anyway. And then feeling like now I'm just a burden to my family that my kids are seeing me like this. I can't let them see me like this. This is, I'm like this shell of myself and they see me in bed all day. It would just be better if I wasn't here. And, uh, wow. Uh, yeah, man. And, and I know what that's like. I know what it's like just waking up and going, I just want to go back to sleep. I just want to lie down. Yeah. I don't have enough energy for the day. And that's depression, huh? Yeah. And yeah. But that, but that depression is a red flag for something much deeper, which for me was about purpose. And I didn't know I, so I've been open about this. I've talked about this publicly on my little channel, my, you yeah. know, trying to help 
people who maybe have felt like this and don't understand it, hold on just a little longer. Because if you do hold on just a little longer and you felt like this, there is hope for you. There's hope for a better day where we can remember why we're here. Remember who we are and, 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 and take time to find our purpose. And sometimes that means a big shift, sometimes a little shift. Um, for me, it still sort of fit my understanding of the world, but I needed to make a, a choice about who I wanted to be and what that, you know, the consequences of that would be in my outward life, you know? And, um, I didn't know that at the time I couldn't speak to that at the time, but I, uh, I went up in my attic. I had a, uh, a big house with, um, a, you know, second story that I turned into movie sets. Right. And I went up in, uh, this movie set that I'd shot in. It was such a weird, such a, still such a weird thing to think about. But, um, and I don't know why I went up there. I just it felt like the only place to do this, the best place to do this. I don't know. And I, I, uh, I strung a green extension cord around some rafters in my set, you know, that's like, there's no roof. It's a fly walls and stuff. And, um, and I hung myself and you hung yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still hard to think about the fact that like, I would do something like that to myself, especially with kids. But I, I, I now understand what it's like when people, are like, I don't understand why they would kill themselves. And I'm like, I can tell you from experience, they thought they were giving the world a gift. That is the saddest lie that we could tell ourselves. But I thought that I was doing my family and my community a favor because I, I was such a mess mentally. Like I, in nobody ever tells you that like, when you get to the top, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's just more of that. If you want it, you know, I had ground and scraped and fought to make movies and to make the things that I wanted to make and to sell books and sell scripts. And I was doing all those things. And then I get there and I'm like a broken shell of myself with this relationship that threatened to sort of like truly like wreck my life. And I had done nothing to deserve that. And, uh, you know, I'm like, what, what is life? Like what, you know, I'm so backwards uh, right, you thought everything that was going to make you happy didn't. Yes, everything you wanted to do, you yes. were doing, but you still weren't happy. But I was, you know, but I'm, I'm a victim. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a product, I should say, of these systems that we all survive in, which is, you know, this sort of capitalist-driven, corporate, uh, corporatocracy kind of driven um, way of, of, of merchandising and commercializing every um, thought and fear and moment that we have in our lives and, um, and never giving us a chance to slow down. And, uh, you know, when, when I was able to, I, I, I was on my way out and I saw my kids and I saw them grown up and you really saw that. Yes, I did. And, um, and I saw them asking me just like a, like a mature grown adult would say, you know, say something very calmly without emotion, like, please don't do this. It was such a, such a startling image that, you know, um, you know, them saying, we need you, um, that I, I climbed up out of that. I pulled myself up and I, I got out of that. And, uh, was it hard to get out of that? I mean, thank God I work out. Cause I mean, if I didn't, you wouldn't have, have the I wouldn't have the strength to, to do it, you know, but I did. And, um, and, uh, you know, so I got up there and, did you um, just get hysterical after that? Yeah. Just like kind of lost your yeah, mind for a second. Apart. Yeah. Like this is where I am. What is wrong? And this is after a good year. This is after making tons of money. This is after like, 
this is after accomplishing all the goals. How, how can that be? Like, that's not something we talk about that, that, that there's nothing there at the top that, you know, that life isn't about, you know, Jim Carrey said it before, you know, I hope everybody gets what they want and gets the riches that their hearts desire. So they realize that there's no, that's not what life is all about. That's not what will make you happy. Um, you know, Mm. some people have discovered that truth. And, uh, so you talk about what inspired me to start talking about something more meaningful on my channel. And it was this realization when I came out of that, I called a doctor that I'd never talked to. I know a therapist shrink in LA, um, who seemed to be able to help people like this, you know, it was advertising that kind of thing. And I said, I need help immediately, like this hour. Um, cause I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I'm, I'm out of my mind. And, um, and I, he, you know, he, he sees me and, you know, he, it was the first time I ever heard the word bipolar and my name in the same sentence. He goes, we, did, we took some tests together and he goes, okay, you're bipolar and bipolar one and a little bipolar wow. two, you know? And I was like, I go, sorry for cussing. A lot of, you know, I you try, swear. I know a lot of young people, but you know, uh, you follow me because of the stuff that I talk about on my channel, but I was so pissed. I'm like, fuck you, man. And I'm still a little, I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm not, I'm not fuck you. And he was like, okay. Like he's probably done this a thousand times with people. Right. But uh, I almost thought you'd feel like a relief. Like, no, man, you know what it is. You want to put me in a box. You want to put me in a little category, especially a category of like basket cases. Like, fuck you, man. I'm healthy. That was your initial um, thought, right? Yes, dude. I no, I resisted. I resisted. And then he goes, I think there's medication and I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm <laughs> out. And I left. I left and I like go down to the parking garage and I'm like sweating and pissed and I know he's right. You know, I know he's right. And I go back and I'm like, um, I'm a little, I'm having a hard time dealing with this, but let's talk about what you know of this. And then, and then he goes, um, we don't know a lot about bipolar. And I was, so he goes, but let's get you on this medication, Lamotrigine. And I'm like, what's Lamotrigine? And he's like, well, it was used for anti-seizure, you know, for epileptic, um, People with epilepsy. Right. And um, and and they find that it kind of, you know, it works for some reason um, with uh, bipolar. And I'm like, how does it work? Like, what does it do? And what is it going to make me feel like? And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, you don't know. You're prescribing Everybody's this stuff. Everybody's different. You know? Everybody's and, different. You know, and I, it start, I started a journey of like really studying this stuff. And I, I, I've read every book on bipolar. I wanted better answers. And now I understand a little bit more about it. And I definitely got a lot more out of my research than that conversation gave me. But um, it's also helped me sort of reconcile with the fact that, you know, this is actually, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a gift, the way that a a bipolar mind works, you know? Um, I think we have the ability to tap into emotions immediately that, and and, and the range is, you know, it's like having a 2000 key keyboard and I I can hit both the highest and the lowest almost without um, a delay, you know, between, and most people can't swing that. But I think being able to feel those things gives us uh, an advantage in understanding people and, but the highs and lows are too much. You need help. But with that's those. dangerous, right? If that's we get, dangerous, you know, and right? If we, and if we occupy one space for too long, especially high energy spaces too long, that can be very dangerous. You know, there's also, you know, the danger of like reckless behavior, which is something it's, you know, I look back in my life in the past and we start to go like, Oh, it actually makes a lot of sense. Right. The things that I've been dealing with in the seasons of that. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay. And then having a language, having a way to, uh, to, to, to talk about that 
makes it so much easier to confront it. And, you know, you don't feel like a freak or like you're a psycho, you know, like you just, it's, it's something that we can name. And, and there are, you know, we don't understand everything about it, but we can understand how to best, uh, craft, uh, rituals and uh, routines that help us avoid some of the more dangerous aspects of that, um, kind of, uh, brain chemistry. Right. You know? And so, um, you know, my, like my wife and I, she's uh, been amazing. I mean, she, we talk about this kind of stuff. We talk about suicide. We talk about bipolar mania, talk about hyper, you know, we, we deal with these things and she talks about it. Like, it's like, I'm going to get butter from the store. Really? Just you so know? such an open forum for yeah. it all. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I fucking just want to go in and machine gun everybody you know she's like okay let's talk about it you know like that's white bread i'm gonna go get this you want sourdough or white bread you know it's so like had nothing you gone to therapy before this doctor with bipolar you were dabbled in it maybe? yeah but the kind of therapy i'd gone to was not for this it was really it was marriage there it was like marriage counseling right you know? right right how do we how how you know how do we who were married very young um i've known my wife since high school we weren't exclusive since then like she lived a life i lived a life and then we found each other again it was like where where was this the whole time this is, <laughs> right, you're, right. you're wonderful right um uh you know h- how do we now navigate this world that's so foreign to what is you know i mean the life of a public figure you know or somebody that's like working in tv or film is just it's not something there's no textbook on how to you know manage that no, and there's, there's so not. many landmines there are so many landmines yes. you know um, and you constantly step on them <laughs> uh, sometimes you run to them and jump on them yeah, you know, with like, both feet exactly you know? exactly you know so um you know learning how to navigate that together you know um uh and for her to learn how to deal with that you know R- realizing that both people out there can say heinous terrible things to her and she's done nothing to deserve that you know like like suddenly she's this uh piece of conversation for you know fodder and right. um and also that there are people out there that don't care that um, she's married, don't care that she's, she's not part of the equation, you know, like, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's just, she has to let go of a lot, you know, yeah. a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of questions. Was she kind of freaked out when you first told her, I have bipolar? Oh, I think it was, it was like, of course. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you're I think you're manic be... and then you're really, yeah. would you always, can you tell like that's what, that's what you'd be? You'd be either really manic or really depressed. You know, for her, yes. High uh, no, and I had, low. But I hadn't really experienced the depression. It was more a retreat from all of life, which has just always been my MO. Like, and I, it's not me. It's not because I don't like people. I just live in my head and that's where I recover. And that's a, you know, that's something like the textbooks will talk about. Like there are people, especially like high creatives or highly sensitive individuals. A lot of them rejuvenate, regenerate alone. And that's just always been my thing. And so that's sort of what it looked like. You know, the depression was new and it was savage when it struck, it struck so hard. So it just hit you out of the blue. And what, what is an overall feeling? Do you feel like you're just, you just want to sleep. You're just tired. Sleep. Oh, tired. Um, all the negative thoughts, um, not understanding how to get motivated. I mean, somebody who's worked out forever and, you know, my livelihood and, and large I just part, didn't have the energy to do it. The energy or wherewithal. Like I literally was saying to myself, how does anybody even get up to go to the gym? Like I, I never want to work out again. Like there was no motivation to do anything, oh. anything. I could not get my feet on the floor in the morning. When I did, I didn't care. And, you know, and there's also this cynicism to life, you know, like, why are we even fucking here? You know, like, look at how, how much pain is in the world. Look at how violent we are to each other. You know, everybody is out for blood, you know, and and everybody's out for themselves. 
you know, it's a tough thing to reconcile. And so at the end of the day, learning, finding routines and rituals, you know, even, even something as simple as like making tea at night, you know, it's like something so kind of uh, serene and meditative that it helps pull my brain out of this like feisty place that it lives 24 seven, you know, and you're doing medication. You are on medication. yeah. Yeah. And that really has changed your life. Sure. And you know, um, I don't know that I'm on it until I stop taking it. And then my wife goes, are you on your medication? Don't you talk to me about medication. I don't need medication. <laughs> I don't need medication. She's like, you're off. You're right. off your medication. Because I keep thinking, I tell myself, like, I t- you know, go six months without missing any. And I'm like, I'm fine. I don't need to do this the rest of my life. I don't need to do this. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the wheels start coming off and you're like, I just can't like everybody's so <laughs> loud. <laughs> everybody's so loud. So once you start, you got on this medication, once you started going to this therapy, once you had the realization that, Hey, my brain chemistry is different than everybody else's. It's just, a, and it, it just takes a different kind of effort to, um, all of a sudden you yeah. had the, uh, the, the thought, the wherewithal to, uh, I, I want to go work out again. I had the desire, the motivation, all these things came back. Yeah, I well, I had to force myself to work out. It was uh, I hired a trainer, which I've never done. You know, I never needed to. I you know, I mean, I think about it now, and I'm like, I can't believe that's where I was. You know, um, I'm one of the first businesses I ever invested in was a fitness franchise that I ran. Like, I I'm the guy that runs that stuff. I don't need a trainer, right? And I had to hire somebody because I was like, this is the only way I'm going to get in the gym. And and uh, and I told him about where I was, and he uh, his name is Justin Falahi. He was incredible, very patient with me, and um, and helped coax me out of that, you know? Um, so, uh, I needed to, I did what I threw whatever I could at life to help me sort of pull through. Um, but you know, faith is a big part of it for me. You know, I'm, um, you know, uh, some people, I, I think, you know, I, I almost envy people who feel like they can, they're fine going through life without any thought of what's beyond, you know? Right. Um, I, if that works for you, then great. I, I mean, have to have faith in something. I'm deeply conflicted if not, because otherwise, like, I don't understand what, what the point of this, I mean, there's no, there's no way to reconcile the pain in the world without an ultimate sense of like hope and justice happening, you know, for myself and others. I mean, there's so many reasons why, you know, but it also makes sense to me. It just makes sense. And it makes me want to be a better person. But I dove into, I dove into that life and, uh, uh, started reading everything I could studying theology, trying to understand like, is there a deeper meaning and purpose here? And how does that have a real impact on my life? And for me, it's about other centeredness, you know, which is not something I'd ever thought of before. You know, like I was so ambitious, still so ambitious, um, still such a product of my industrial, era style education. That's like, you go be a good worker and that's what you're contributing to society, a good thing. And, right. um, to turn around and say like, actually, um, rejecting a lot of those ideas and not making the material accumulation that we strive for the most important thing in our lives and finding ways to think about other people and give back to that is actually a more fulfilling and purposeful and eternal kind of way of thinking that, um, maybe I'll do that. And so, um, you know, altruism, you know, part of it. Yeah. So there was a simplification in life, like, so yeah, got rid of a house, sold all my fancy cars, you know, that I was accumulating and loved. And, um, and it was less about that and more about like, how can I find a way to get involved in community, involved in other people's lives in a meaningful way, impact the world through like effective charities or, you know, like just how can I, and that changed you. Oh Yeah. 
I mean, Giving is, that not, something, is it, that not something you can do forever and not, I mean, you scientifically, the scientifically, uh, scientific studies have proven that that kind of altruism actually has a true meaningful impact on our state of well-being, yeah. that there is nobody who can give of themselves purely and not feel better because of it. How is that not something that can eternally rejuvenate us, like forever and ever? Like people talk about like, oh, I wouldn't want to go to heaven because I would just get bored or whatever. It'd be so boring. <laughs> it's like, no, that idea of heaven is a, is a world where everybody's giving of themselves and that cycle of, uh, of love is, it's, it's something that continues to fill us up as we give it away. It's this almost paradoxical kind of, yes, it's this beautiful cycle that uh, never ends, you know, and that feels good. And you can start that now. And that's what the whole message is all about, I think, you know, and, um, and you weren't doing a lot of that beforehand. No, you I was giving like, back or going to hospital. I used to or call my agents and be like, "You understand who? I, what is this audition for? I'm building an empire here." You know, I'd say <laughs> words like "empire," I'm like "oh, so ashamed now." But I would have those like thoughts. You know, uh, what is that? The uh, th- 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 delusions of grandeur and all that shit. Totally, that's yeah. part of bipolar, right? It is. Yeah, it is. But you know, um, you know, my, I mean, when you're having the delusion of grandeur, it doesn't feel like one. It feels very possible and very real. And when you accomplish most of those, then people start to question like, well, maybe is it, maybe. is it, you know, is it a like, delusion? <laughs> could he actually pull that off? Like, well, he's doing uh, it, he, doing he, it here. He could. Maybe he could, you know. It's pretty incredible. It's incredible that you were able to overcome this. Because you hit rock bottom as rock bottom as someone can hit, and you pulled your literally pulled yourself out of it. Well, I would say, am overcoming this. I mean, it's sort of like like yes, the yes, a yes. style, right? Like, I don't think I don't think I'm ever through it, you know. And honestly, like, if there's anything that still tortures me, the past tortures me, and not being able to modify it at all. Um, but the other thing would be um, re- re- reconciling the fact that like there's a possibly a lot of a lot of years left to continue on a path that is, you know, that is fulfilling, you know, and like, it seems daunting at times, you know, it seems daunting to think like, oh, I haven't overcome that. That's still very much a possibility or a part of me. I have to continue to overcome it day by day, you know, um, taking those steps, you know, there's thousands of them left in front of me, you know, sure. possibly, you know, it's uh, that sometimes is overwhelming, you know. Well, what's over overwhelming as well, what could be daunting is taking on a role like, Jack Reacher. I mean, to get back into that a little bit. I mean, that's yeah. that's a big, you know, that's Tom Cruise, big time movie blockbuster, and then they're doing a series. How many auditions did you go on? How many times did you meet with these producers for this role? Yeah, you know, there's always going to be a chip on my shoulder for this because, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm also I'm just always going to feel like I have something to prove, no matter how many times. Yeah, I just went to dinner with a lot of people involved with the show. And they were like thanking me because it just shows, you know, it's not out yet. I mean, well, I don't know when this will air, but, you know, when we're talking about this right now, it's not out yet. But when does it come out on Amazon? February 4th. So, um, so it's being seen by some people, media, you know, industry insiders, test audience, and it's like, everybody loves it. You know, people that have read the books, people that haven't, everybody's enjoying it. So like, thank you for all your hard work and what you've done. And if it, if you, if you didn't work as Reacher, this whole thing wouldn't work, but it worked. And I, you know, and I think back to my, uh, my time during the process, they passed on me the first time and they passed on everybody the first time, you know, but, um, you know, I've put, I put a tape together, you know, I was approached about this as was probably 2000 other guys. And, um, and I, you know, I put a tape together, but the, the sides that they gave us were 
probably not the most conducive to an audition because it was all about capturing that stoic, you know, Reacher said nothing is something sort of famously involved in every book. Reacher said nothing. And the sides were basically Reacher said nothing. So there's like an interrogation where he's just sitting there the whole time. And I was like, I don't know how to play this. But in my mind, I was like, I have to, you know, it's got to have some energy. And so I was channeling, you know, the guy from Waterworld who's like, give me the paper, give me the paper, give it a girl, give it a paper. He's trying to trade the paper for the goods. Give it a paper, give it a paper, give it a Kevin Costner's like, all right, don't put the knife down. I was like trying to channel that guy that give me the paper, give me the paper guy. (laughs) So I'm sitting there in my mind, I'm like listening, you know, imagining this guy trying to just generate some inner something. Yeah. And, uh, and they hated it. They hated it. (laughs) Yeah. They hated it. So they just said, okay, no pass. No, I went to, you know, the tape went to producer. I got a call that, you know, they, you know, it was, it was interesting that they sent it to producers and then it just never went further and like months go by. And like, you know, I've been doing this a long time. You hold very loosely to this stuff. Like, Oh, love the idea that that'd be cool. And then nothing happens. You're like, okay. And that wasn't meant, that was meant for somebody else. And it was sort of that. It was just like, all right, I guess meant for somebody else. And then like, I don't know, four or five months after that, I get a call that like, they're thinking about redo it, you know, sort of coming, circling back. Um, new casting director, whole new sides they're re, kind of reimagining this process wow. and so they were like i was like oh i get a second chance and so mindy Marin, who who cast uh who cast the show she's a phenomenal casting director she had gone back to look at the tapes after they reimagined how to approach finding this guy and looked at the tapes that had gone to producers so like thank god they sent it to producers that time because i never would have been seen again um and uh she saw your saw tape. something she saw something in it. and i think with some adjustment you know i think with some adjustment we could, you know, get this to work. But I, when I saw the new sides, I was like, Oh, this I can do, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it was probably seven or eight other auditions. Seven or eight uh, other auditions. There are so many cooks in the kitchen in a, in a good way. Like not in a bad, I mean, there's so many people who have a vested interest in delivering something that works to the fans as they should, you know, a lot of people taking this very seriously and want to make sure that they get it right. And, you know, some, I, I only owe Mr. Cruz a debt of gratitude for the visibility that he's brought to this role. But there are people who comment on the fact that he's not exactly the size that Reacher should be. And that's a large character in this, it's its own kind of character in this. Um, Cause you're a so, bigger guy than Cruz. <clears throat> And that's true. That's true. But, um, you know, and, it, you know, suffice it to, to say that he, he also still carried those franchises into the hundreds of millions of dollars without that. So that's a testament to him and his, his talent and craft. And right. he's incredible. Um, um, but you know, a lot of fans, um, weren't, weren't happy. And, um, and so, you know, there's obviously probably a level of anxiety from the executives going like, we don't want to mess this up again. And so there's a lot of that energy, uh, coming, coming at these, these auditions, you know, um, sort of a, a, a little bit of trepidation and uh it you know it, it it kept going but it was like well now we want you to read for you know the amazon exec the skydance exec this exec that exec were you getting meeting people along the way no not at all it was like okay as long as this is happening as long as this conversation is happening like then this is still good you know and it's just another opportunity for me to win somebody over this is the job you know i right. mean you know how it is like I think as soon as you get cynical, I was, there was a point in my life where I was like very cynical. I came off a comedy and, uh, I felt like, I mean, if, you know, they should be throwing roles at me. (laughs) Like, look what I just did on this show that nobody saw. Delusions of grandeur. Delusions of grandeur. And I was like frustrated that like, you know, there weren't just like 50 film offers, you know, 
it was, and it, you know, I got very bitter for a little bit until I had this, um, this, uh, perspective shift, you know, um, through the loss of a role. But, uh, um, you know, so it just, I, I was up for it. I was up for it as long as it was working and it was, you know, um, but it was, it took a lot of educating, um, Amazon on who I, you know, who I, who I am. And, and then there was also a lot of questions about height because this is during the pandemic. So we can't do this stuff in person. And in fact, they flew me out once to, to test in person and, uh, and, and I get to the hotel in LA and they're like, they're going to have to take a blood sample. This is like before, you know, the, right. the swabs that we have now. And they're like, they're gonna have to take a blood sample. And I was like, blood sample. I'm like, this is serious. Like, this is what kind Jesus of Christ. world are we living? We've really got to bleed for your craft these days. <laughs> yes. I guess that's the world we, and I was fine with it. I was like, all right, that's fine. And then I'm like, all right, they're talking to lawyers about it, seeing, you know, how that whole thing works. And I guess eventually they got cold feet about taking blood to secure, you know, to secure a test audition. Um, and so I went back and we did it over Zoom. But, uh, you know, I wasn't seeing these people in person. And that's a big part of this, you know, knowing you can feel somebody's energy and their presence and see their size. Sure. And that's so, so they, they actually had me measure myself on tape, you know, like head to toe and my, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do it. So I had my kids on a step stool and they're up there like measuring, like strip down to your shorts and bare feet, show us exactly where that tape is. We want to see how big you they are. They saw you without a shirt on and all that <clears throat> oh, stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Um, uh, you know, so there was just, it was a lot of that. It was a big process of like all and this you stuff were in that, really good shape at this time well i was uh <clears throat> yeah i was i walk around at like you know if i'm not working out i run a lot and I, I walk around at like 205 which is like still big for a lot of people right um and uh 205 i, I think i thought you'd be bigger than that well i am now oh I you mean, are <clears throat> yeah i'm 235 now. oh okay yeah, i was like jesus christ yeah, that's I'm, I'm 185. I'm like, hey, you know what I'm thinking <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I put I put on uh I put on about 30 pounds for this, you know. Um, but uh yeah, I wasn't at the time, you know, I wasn't that big that. But uh, you know, I still I'm just a large guy, you know, guy. So I'm a large it, man. It was just um anyway, but it just uh it it it, it was a process and um and uh they were convinced that um you know, I was I guess I was the right guy. So there was a lot of there was a lot of apprehension when the the executives producers started showing up in prep when I was actually there because I was like now they're going to see me in person for the first time I hope I'm big enough <laughs> and you were and thank thank God yeah I didn't well get fired. didn't get fired here's a serious question <clears throat> yeah how honestly how demanding was the shoot that's a good question I mean you filmed this entire ten episode series. You did 10 episodes for this Amazon series, Jack Reacher, which comes out February 4th. The demand on your body and your mind. I mean, you just talked about in your mid thirties overcoming, you know, deep depression and figuring out you have bipolar, getting on meds, getting healthier, finding purpose. You book this part. I guess it's the right time because you're now on the up. What are you going through? <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, I think, I think, uh, you know, and also for anybody watching who maybe is struggling with a lot of that stuff, bringing all that stuff to the light can only help. You know, I feel like we live in a world where it's, you know, I'm trying to destigmatize, normalize these conversations. So we, so we could just, let's just get it all. Let's talk about it. You let's know, talk this about is, it. this is only, it can only help to talk about it. But, I, you know, like I had an assistant on the show and she's well aware of all of that, you know? And so it was like, help me pay attention to you. Cause it's hard for me to see 
those changes, you know, um, you know, am I, am I, how am I doing mentally? You know, like, and, and, you know, and she's like, if, uh, if you need to slow down, like, let's just slow down at any time. Of course I never said I needed to, but, um, but you should have, but you can't, you know I mean? That's, you know, there's like, you know, yeah, yeah. so the toughest thing, I don't ever want to complain about, I have nothing to complain about. I live a, priv- a privileged life and, uh, I've, I've always, I'm living the dream that I, I, I've worked for, you know, I mean, it's a dream come true. You know, what I do for a living, I enjoy, um, it challenges me. It keeps me, it holds my interest. Nothing else can do, you know, I'm just, I get bored easily. So I love what I do. I don't want to complain, but it was the most challenging shoot I've ever had to endure. And it just about killed me. Really? <laughs> and I did, yes. And I do, I mean that, I mean that I'm going to, you're, you're going to get some info that no, no other, I haven't given any other media or whatever, but I'll just get into it with you. Cause I, I really care. I've watched your show for a long time. I care about what you do here. Thank you. Um, so I think it's also important for people to know this stuff that I now know. While I'm going through the show, <clears throat> they asked me right out of the gate before we start shooting. They said, um, are you okay shooting seven days a week? I'm like, seven days a week? They're like, how's it off? Is that even legal? Where's my union? That's <laughs> 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 exactly what I was like. Yeah guys, is that allowed? Like, and they're like, yeah, you know, we'll figure it out. But we need to, we need to shoot that fat. And I was like, why? The show's never been on. It's not like we're trying to hit an air date. It's never been on. We finish when we finish, you know? And they're like, no, we've been given a date where the the money shuts off. If we're not done by then it's July 31st. That only gives us this amount of time. It wasn't enough time to shoot the show. And so they're like, that's the way we can fix it is just shoot round the clock. And I'm like, when am I going to sleep? When am I going to eat? When am I going to study? When am I going to rehearse the fights? Like well, all that, all those questions are like, we'll just have sure, to figure it out. We'll lead. And they go, okay. So I was like, no, I'm not. I mean, just, you know, just for practical reasons, I think seven is a foolish number. Like working seven it's days an, a week. It's an impossibility. <clears throat> for a lead actor, it is People have no idea. People it's have no possibility. They have no idea. Um, and, uh, and I was like, I, you know, but I also like, I don't really think I should be working on Sundays, you know, for, for a lot of reasons. Let's just say no. Can right. I just say no? And they're like, all right, well, there's a couple we'll have to have you. And I was like, I don't know, man. And they're like, but, but it'll be six days a week then. And I was like, all right. Like, six days is a lot. That's still a lot, you know, Oof. but I was like, all right. My last you know, like, contract, I was lucky enough to go weekends off. No six days. Every week. other Friday off. Oh. And it was a comedy and it was <laughs> It was yeah. a dream, but like, I couldn't imagine working every day as the lead actor. I just, I'd fall apart. I'm too old. Yeah. And I felt that. Yeah. I felt that. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm a team player. I guess if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. I don't understand it, but okay. And they were like, you know, the way that they solve that problem, because the crews can't work six days a week. They can't do that. So they get their five days or so what we ended up doing was they were shooting something basically seven days a week. And, uh, I was on six of those days, but I would, I was swinging both crews. So I would, I would even leave the first crew on like a Tuesday when I'm like, normally, Oh, my one scene for the day is done. I actually only have one scene today. Holy cow. And they're like, actually we, we packed in the second You're You're actually going to go shoot some stuff with the second crew today. So it was like never ending. And and if there was a day that was, that was naturally like one or two scenes, that was, that was that was filled. There was no time. I was doing stunt f- fight training in parking lots of sets that we were working in, like between takes. Like, okay, get back out to the thing. We got to learn the, you know, the uh, stairwell fight or whatever. I'm like, all right. And I come back into the scene oh, all sweaty. Boy. The makeup artist, like, what are you doing? Why are you sweaty? I just, oh, we gotta, we've gotta blow dry his hair. You know, we were shooting here, and like, you don't look anything like you did on the other side. I'm like, I'm sorry, I was fist fighting in the parking lot. <laughs> 
It was nuts, man. I was like, there was not talk about like finding a place to calm that brainwave down. I mean, there was not. When was no did time. you hit a wall? Um, it was when my, you know, I started getting injured. I started getting injured and, uh, I started, I started to vocalize about halfway through. I think this is too much. Like I, even for me who I can push myself through, like, I only need like two more months of this, but I, I, I'm falling apart. Like I can't do it. I'm sleeping three hours a night, even on nights when I could get six or seven hours of sleep, I would wake up at three hours. It was like, my body was whacked. I was, we were shooting night shoots so, Cause I was six days. Usually your night shoots are Friday night. And then you get home at like six in the morning on Saturday and you have Saturday night to sleep. And then Sunday night into like a 5am call on Monday. Right. Usually you start back on days on Monday. We were shooting six days though. So my, so I would actually go home at like six or seven in the morning on Sunday morning. And then I'm back into my 5am's on Monday. That doesn't work. Like when oh, does no. it? No, I was, I was, I was out of my mind. Out and of my so, mind. so I started getting injured and you know, we bring these doctors in. And I'm like, just get me through the shoot, whatever it takes. And so they gave me these super powerful NSAIDs that are ibuprofen on steroids, you know, right. not opiates or painkillers or anything. This right. is like, you know, I'm thinking this is great. This takes, and I'm like, I can't lift my arm. And I'm like major issues with my shoulder. I tore an oblique. I was like, I, there you was were a, working <clears throat> hard. There was a scene, there was a scene where, um, I, I can see this in the show. I'm going to, I'll tell you I'll tell you this now. I guess I'll ruin it for you. But there's there's a scene where um, I, I'm in a prison and I have to eat a sandwich. And I could I was having trouble breathing. Like I couldn't get enough oxygen. And I know I, I know what it is now. And I there's a medical diagnosis now that I'm getting fixed. But I could I was suffocating just living right. And so then I do the fights and I was like, ugh, I'm dying. You know. So I'm going. I'm eating a sandwich. Like how easy is that? And I was. I felt like I was gonna pass out. I could not breathe and I couldn't, and the food was in the way. So I was like, <gasps> and so you can see if you watch the scene closely, I'm trying to deliver my lines and breathe at the same time. And it sounds like I'm, I just ran a marathon. Like I'm 500 pounds. I'm like, <gasps> I was dying. All those NSAIDs that they were giving me killed testosterone. I had no testosterone in my body. I got a blood panel later. After I got back, I had surgery on my shoulder to fix whatever was going on there. Cause it was broken from, from that shoot. And the the reason everything was tearing was because there's no oxygen getting to my muscles because there was no hemoglobin. Testosterone helps form hemoglobin in the body. Hemoglobin is what brings oxygen to your cells. I literally was suffocating to death because of all the powerful pain meds that were helping me get through those fights. I thought I was helping myself push through and do it. I was doing a lot of damage, no sleep, um, all wow. the physicality, no rest. And then all those pain medications, lowering my testosterone to nothing. I couldn't, I was dying. I was dying. You can hear it in some of the scenes. It's crazy. That's crazy. And uh, people don't know the kind of drain that it had, you know, the kind of what, what you put your body through to survive that kind of stuff. But this was intense. Um, so what you're saying is, if this is a huge hit, which I hope it will be, then there'll be some adjustments for the next season. That was already agreed upon. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I told her, I was like, guys, I can never, I can't do this again. And like, if you think we're going to do this for seven, eight, 10 years, however many books we want to do, which I want to do them all. This is unsustainable. You know, and they're like, we agree. It was just this arbitrary date one time. Now that we know what it takes to get this done, we'll never do this to you again. If you finish the season the way that you have, we promise never to do it again. And I was like, deal. Um, and did you think that you weren't going to make it, be able to make it through? Yeah, there was, I, I had questions. I had there questions, were times. You know, and I had people going like, just two weeks left. You've got this. You've got this. But you're like, on your like, I'm like, I well, don't you, know. did you have any anxiety as well? 
from being so fatigued or being it so... It was more of frustration. Like, I was just mad. I was like mad. I'm not mad at anybody. I just like, I had such a low fuel. I had no fuse, which is like, I can't. You had no I, fuel. Can you fault me? I don't know. I, I had no, I wasn't sleeping. I, I wasn't. Oh, so you were angry. Oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. was like, like, like people would come over, like we need to switch your boots out. I'm like, fuck, God damn it. Like I, was so, I had no, I couldn't tolerate humans or sound or anything. And I'd get myself, you know, I would study. I didn't have time to study because I didn't. You know, I'd shoot all day, it's like major, huge So you scenes. just had to learn those scenes on the fly. So I set up a system on my computer where I had headphones on set and a little office that they would bring around for me. And between takes, I'd learn next episode's side, you know, scenes, you know. And so I'd be doing, I'd go do like a five-page monologue. And then in the off, you know, in between takes, I'm learning like a five-page monologue from the next episode. So it was like this never-ending. You had big monologues? <clears throat> oh, dude. For Reacher said nothing, this guy talks a lot. <laughs> For a guy that has nothing to say. I was like, guys, can we just have a narrator? Can we have me narrate like a, like a, you know, Dexter oh or something? God. Like, can I just say, like, no, we need you But to now, say. you know, this people listening to this are thinking, man, this must be an intense fucking action-packed series. Yeah, but then you, but I, I watch it and I'm like, I don't see any of the, you know, the feeling that I had in my body. Like, I don't know. That's because really you're rehearsing constantly, you're fighting choreography. Or, right. He seems laid back and cool as a cucumber on screen. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> Hey, it worked. Maybe I'm just a baby. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, but I but you know oh, this is worth talking about. The NSAIDs, ibuprofen, and that kind of thing. Now I understand, having gotten a blood panel done and, and realizing it was all about low testosterone caused by the NSAIDs. Uh, you know, maybe there's like sort of an extreme fatigue attached to that because of the nature of our work. But uh, ibuprofen, NSAIDs destroy your testosterone. And if men are out there feeling tired or fatigued or wondering why, you know, it's a mood stabilizer, feeling like you have a short fuse, you don't really, you know, you can't get motivated to go to the gym. It might be that you, you know, like me, take ibuprofen every day because you feel like a back pain or neck pain or whatever, and you don't have any testosterone. And maybe you need to get on testosterone therapy, which is super easy to do. Yeah. And, you know, do the patch or the shot or whatever, you know, and, uh, and, you know, since, uh, you know, so I, so I started taking testosterone to get my numbers back up and, uh, night and day, I feel like, Oh God, like this is how I felt before the shoot. And this is how wow. I should feel all the time. Um, I didn't know that. I mean, did, did, did anybody ever tell you that ibuprofen will kill your testosterone? No, no they, of course no they didn't clue. tell you that. They just want to siphon your money away. <laughs> and, you know, to, so you take away the pain for whatever you're feeling at the time. But man, like nobody tells you this stuff, Jesus, you know? I, this has been incredible because you have just opened up so much that I, I love when guests, we had a guest last week that just opened up. And at the end, I'm like, fuck, that's, it's so refreshing oh, and you. so nice to see someone in the business who's doing really well. Talk about how hard, what they've been through right. and how to overcome it and just really, but breaking it down, not just, you know. Because usually people look at us and they're like, oh, actors, come on. You guys get spoon fed in this. But to hear your story and to hear all these things that you went through and you're a human being and to not realize to your 36 that you had bipolar is just th that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's some tough times that you've had to overcome. And this has only been a couple of years. You've gone through all this. Right. The role of a lifetime, the, the, the chance of a lifetime to kind of rebound and and, you know, save yourself. Right. It's just, it's just extraordinary. Um, th this is called uh, Shit Talking with Alan Richson. Um, these are my patrons. These are lovable patrons who they give back to the podcast. They, I, I couldn't do it without them. Uh, they're amazing people, and they have some questions. 
Let's do kind of rapid fire. Michelle K. Yay. Love Allen. How does he manage to keep such a positive mindset in such an unpredictable industry? What's the secret formula? Well, we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. But what would you say in a nutshell, if you had to say in one sentence, what would that be? I think it's about identity. So my identity is no longer my career, my work. My identity is something that's uh, far more palatable. Like, like I said, uh, serving others. Like how can I even, you know, just people I pass in the gas station, you know, like, can I open the door for them? Would that make their day better? Can I, you know, are they having a hard time? Can I, how can I approach the world and seize every opportunity to make somebody's life better? That is where I want my identity to be, to be found. And, uh, and in serving others, you know, and, you know, if I lose a role or I don't get an, you know, an audition doesn't go my way or I don't, whatever, that doesn't matter. I've got my identities rooted in something else. That is beautiful. Leanne, if you could only put one thing on your bucket list, what would it be? Ah, uh, I mean, I've done a lot. I've lived a crazy life. Um, <clears throat> but I think now for now my bucket list is, um, is all, all about travel with my kids. I, my entire goal for my kids is to open their worlds up as big as possible. Um, and they started, you know, we've, so we talk about travel and we talk about exploring the world and having adventures. And, um, they, uh, they started, they said, uh, out of, they said out of nowhere, they said, um, <laughs> I want to give up my birthday next year and travel instead. And I was like, what, what a mature, wonderful thing to hear out of your young, you know, wow. nine year old, you know, seven year old. Um, and they're all like, yeah, I'm like, where do you want to go? Like, I want to go to Australia. Why do you want to go there? Cause they have like the bearded dragons and I want to go see this. And I'm like, this is, what? that's wonderful. You like, love this. Yes. That's what I live for now. You know? So, so my bucket list is all about my kids. Um, my kids bucket list. <laughs> David H. Did you meet Tom Cruise before taking over his role in Reacher? Um, no, we've never, we've been, you know, we've, he was, we've never met. I'll just say that. All right. Yeah. I, I met him before couple times he's incredibly nice right right incredibly right like hey i go hey good to see you we met we met hold on we met at mike binder's house and i'm like oh my god why would you remember me oh and you had yeah, yeah i was so i was i was hoping you'd say like we met at uh the paramount party and you've never had no and he no, remembered he's... me from uh, meeting me at another that's party incredible. incredible that's incredible dave p what was it like to have the uh, uh BMS boys back together at Mountaineer Con, Blue Mountain State boys. Right, yeah, Blue Mountain State will always uh, take up a um, memorable part of my uh, mind. But I love those guys. You know, we um, it was you know fun college football comedy, and um, and the chemistry that we had on that show will never be replicated on any other show. I just know what we had was special. Um, so anytime we get to hang together, it's fun. Danny, yay. When did Alan realize he had a flair for comedic roles? He's got great delivery. Oh, thanks. Oh, guys. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, tell my wife that. She, she like, how many eye rolls I get at home for my one-liners. You know what? I'm my not going to even let you answer that one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even need to fucking answer that one. He, <laughs> you probably realized it as a young kid. No, man, I didn't. You know, I was an idiot, and people hated me when I was young. I, I was Ace Ventura like six Halloweens in a row awesome, at school. You know, awesome. I'd go to school. as I just was enamored with Jim Carrey. I was enamored of his physicality and how funny he was. And uh, nobody else thought it was funny. And so I'd like walk up to kids I, at lunch and like, tur like talk out of my ass in front of their pl plate of like Cheerios or whatever. <laughs> Excuse me, may I ask you a question? You know, and they're like, get the 
fuck out of here, Richson. <laughs> they hated me. I was so annoying. Oh, um, I love that. I so love that. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that it had some, you know, some redeeming qualities. Sebastian K, how pissed were you when Justin Hartley played Aquaman in the spinoff and you didn't? Because you were Aquaman on fucking Smallville with me. Yeah, that's right. No, I wasn't mad at all. Why would I be mad? Well, because, you, you know, like, why didn't they consider you? Well, they did, but they, uh, yeah, people don't know, you know, what I went through with that, but you know, I didn't, I hadn't done anything at the time. I didn't, I hadn't done Smallville anything. was your first. It was my first gig. First gig. Like you seeing you on a set, you know, making jokes and whatever. I was like, God, he's so relaxed. You know, like you're the first thing I ever saw. Like, I, like you're my mom, basically. I'm like a little dinosaur coming out of the shell. Let's see you first. Son. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Cause it was your first role. It was my first thing. I first didn't know what kind of I was speaking doing. role. I was so overwhelmed. I was like, how many people are so many people on this set? <laughs> you know, like, I never knew group. that was your first role. I oh, never wow. knew until I read about it, but I remember on set, I was like, he's just great. He did a great job. Uh, I've, always been to be good around. At, I've always been good at faking it, you know. You uh, were faking it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so, the you know, the, I, I was told that the episode that I, I was on, season five, the first one that I came on, it was a well-oiled machine at that point. It was... Uh, <laughs> It was like a ratings record, that episode, you know, which was like astounding having been on for that. Like it did really well, apparently. So they wanted to green light a spinoff and they were like, congratulations. And I was getting calls from people at the studio. Like I'm the guy who's just here to make sure you keep your head on the ground. So you call me day or night. If you're in trouble, I'm the, you know, I was like, what is you going thought on? You're gonna... Oh yeah. These people were like prepping me for like the biggest show on TV. I'm like, okay. And we start working on a deal. And at the time, UPN and Warner Brothers had merged to create the CW and the president of the UPN had taken over. And he's looking at this roster of shows, uh, the slate and going, uh, who the hell's that guy? <laughs> Which is the same thing I would do. I mean, I was sitting there going like, I can't believe it was this easy. I've been here three weeks. I got my own show. Oh my gosh. So they just, he just axed it, axed it, axed and he it, goes, whatever. He can't be, he can't have his own show. And so they called me and they're like, we're, we're trying to fight him on it. Cause we looked for so long and we love you, but he doesn't want you to do this. We're, we have to go back and find people, but maybe we won't find anybody. And they, they didn't, they went back and they didn't find anybody. And so they came back again and they're like, so he said, fine, he, he'll give it a shot. You know, we'll do the pilot together. Jesus. And I was like, great. Okay, great. Like I get my own show, you know, I'm sitting cool. But I, you know, but again, like, like with Reacher, there's this asterisk by it for me where I'm like, I guess I'm not really wanted, but maybe I'll run with it as, you know, <laughs> so it's like, it'd been taken from me. And then like a week later, they were like, actually, Justin Hartley just came off passions and, uh, he's available and we're going to go with Justin Hartley. And I was like, oh, I don't know who that is, but great, you know, good for you. And, uh, and I, I learned the best lesson I could early on to hold loosely to this stuff because nothing is guaranteed and nothing's owed to me. And if I hadn't learned that lesson early, I would have been an entitled asshole. Um, I probably still am, but uh, much <laughs> greater degrees. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, it, it taught me to hold, you know, to hold real loosely to this stuff. And I think that's a great lesson to have right out of the gate. So I'm grateful that I didn't get it. And I also, you know, if I would have gotten that show, I never would have learned, really learned the craft or studied myself. I would have just floated on whatever shows that gate you know that would have right. had some ancillary you're gonna get this movie because you were on that show and um i've had a very different experience where i've had to like really uh you know fi find my voice you know and, and study, speaking study of the voice craft. yeah lastly i'll let you go after this 
I had no idea you were a singer. You were like you you were like eighty seventh on American Idol. Yeah. You you did a strip tease in front of what's her name? Paula. Paula Abdul. <clears throat> yeah. uh, I didn't know you were, you went to school for singing. Like you're a trained singer. Yeah, I was I was a music theater major until I quit school because I was like, why would I? What I mean, what degree would I use? Like walking to Do a you Broadway wanna... audition and go like, here's my degree from. <laughs> Do you still want to like sing? Do you want to have a, your own album? Do you want to ever do anything no, with it? No, not my own album. No, no. Um, but uh, I do love writing. I sometimes I'll write for people, but um, but I my goal is to marry. You know, uh, like La La Land. I think is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a good movie. To the, you know the the way that they so effectively married music and theater and film is my goal. Yes. Yeah, so you would my, love to so do something like that. My secret passion is yes. I got to find the Newsies was my favorite movie growing up as a kid. Every year, we we would get if if we got straight A's, the network video would allow you a free rental. And so I was always like a very studious little academic. <laughs> I want straight A's just so I can go rent the Newsies. And every time I walked in there, like, Newsies is over there. It was never checked out. You know, <laughs> like, it's over there. I walk in with my report card. I walk out with it. I watched it a million times on VHS when I was growing up because I just, I thought it's just I the coolest, it. you know. What do you sing in the shower? What's the one song you sing? Oh, I don't know. The Newsies. Santa Fe, are you there? Do you swear you won't forget me? See, look at that. Just hits it just like that. <laughs> what about any 80s classics? I don't know. 80s classics? Duran Duran? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, how about a Duran Duran song? I don't know any of those. I was into uh, NSYNC. I was into NSYNC. Yeah, I was a 90s what kid. Do you, yeah. What do you sing from NSYNC? Oh, what's that song that they had that like Justin... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, God must dispense a little more time on you on you on you on you you remember that one <laughs> yes yeah that one it's i used amazing. to say i'd like sarah Knight, like every sixth grade girl i was interested in i just be I like on my knees i started saying oh you are yeah. does your wife love when you sing to her i don't see i don't sing to my wife you don't sing to your wife why would i sing to my wife i don't know because it's kind of cute I already bagged that one. I don't have to get on my yeah, knees and sing in sync. <laughs> Dude, this has been a this has been a real treat. I, I, I yeah, can't express so. to you how much I enjoyed this. I didn't I didn't know how much I enjoy. I know I like you. Thanks, I know man. you're a good guy, but I you just open the hell up, and it it means a lot to me. It means a lot to the people listening on this show. I know they're gonna they're gonna just grave about you because right, you were man. open up. So well, I, I appreciate and I appreciate and look. I wish you the best of luck with Drac Reacher. February fourth, it takes off. You guys, you don't want to miss it. There were 12 fucking books that Ryan and I didn't read one. <laughs> and and uh, you were also, Ryan says you were hilarious on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, one of the funniest oh, scenes yeah, yeah, that he was had a fun seen, one. right, Ryan? Oh, yeah, no, fun. yeah, I just connected the dots today. But yeah, that was, because it's so good because you know, there's these two characters, Hitchcock and Scully. They're these two schlubs right. who just sort of mainline meatball subs at the precinct and they take naps. And uh, But then... Like season six, they decided to do like just open with this cold open of these two hot young cops doing like an 80s cocaine bust. <laughs> and you were Scully. And it was just so gratifying. Like at the end of it, they go like, like, uh, you've like, you revealed that you were Hitchcock and Scully. But then, right. um, but then, yeah, their downfall at the end is they do a drug bust at a chicken uh, restaurant <laughs> and they just dis they discovered chicken wings for the first time. And then, like, that's when it just stops. But it was just so funny. Like, it was just like having watched the show. 
it was just such an integral part. It's like it's a you impressed pretty, Ryan. It's yeah, that's, that's, that's not it. easy it's to do. For sure, my favorite cold open of the entire show. The nine nine fans are a sophisticated bunch. That's saying thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. it, it was so it was great. Good. It was yeah. worth it. such a payoff. The, so good. This has been a real treat. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this and uh, thanks for you having know, me. allowing us to come open up and hopefully connect uh, connect a little bit more. You know. Thanks, thanks for having me. When he talked about like almost ending his own life, I think about that weekly. Isn't that something yeah. how impactful that could be that he was so forthcoming? Well, yeah, I mean, he comes in here with his muscles in his face. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> guy, like, talented guy. And then he opened and then he drops that story on you and go, holy fucking shit. Yeah, it really. It puts a lot of things in perspective. Yeah, I was just going to say that it, yeah. it certainly does. You just kind of go, what brings a person to that dark place? Yep. And I've been in some dark places and. You know, you just have to realize that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And, and hey, if you're feeling those feelings, get some help. You can get some help. Mm -hmm. And uh, therapy, call a crisis center. Like, hey, if you're feeling that low, man, say shit. You know, I have a close friend who checked himself into uh, the psychiatric ward at a, at a hospital. He says, I don't, I'm not well. Damn. And uh, good for him. You know? wherewithal yeah yeah we want to you want to live what the hell if we're only here at one time it's just like it's gonna be hard also it's gonna to, be tough live and to clarify the light at the end of the tunnel not like the light of staying alive not the one you see when you die <laughs> yes yes i think they got that i I'm, just though for me oh for, for you for me i just it wanted was to for say you. okay yeah okay mm -hmm. well that makes more sense okay i, I appreciate that thank yeah. you for you know bringing that up uh thank you again if you like the show today follow us on our handles ryan what are they at inside of you pod on twitter at inside of you podcast on instagram and facebook that is correct mm -hmm. and uh we await your your messages you could write a review on apple spotify please write a review on spotify uh, cumulus has asked me to you mm. know, mention that a few times and it really helps the podcast so write a review on spotify if you're listening right now it'll take you a minute and follow us and uh i'd love for you to join patreon patreon.com slash inside of you if you want to give a little more to the podcast i'll message you right after you do so or right when i see the message i'm on cameo uh the inside of you online store is open we've got great stuff there i've talked about that um really great podcast today i was really impressed with alan and uh well that's all i could say i, I just was uh, sort of taken aback a few times by his honesty yeah and uh, i thank you alan for doing that uh we're gonna talk we're gonna give shout outs right now to the top tier patrons these are people who give back like i've said a million times they give back to the podcast in more ways than you can imagine they keep the show going and i love them dearly uh here they are in fact patrons i hope you saw the video that i put up on patreon i put a video up thanking everybody it was for the 200th episode congratulations ryan 200, 200 episodes jesus 200 fucking episodes wow yeah huh 200 huh that's something i didn't think i'd pass two i almost quit many times <laughs> here we are you're just kind of like uh, no one's listening no one gives a shit let's just let's just get out of here and you, you know you keep me going here are the top patrons here we go Nancy D, Leah S, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Nico P, Robert B, Jason W, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Raj C, Joshua D, CJP, Jennifer N, Stacy L, just like that. Uh huh. Uh, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Roger S, Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon Supremo ninety nine, more, Ra, Mira, Santiago M, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Maya P, Maddie S, Belinda N, Chris H, Dave. H. Correct. Spider-Man Chase, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray H, Tabitha T, 
Tom N, Liliana A, Michelle K, Talia M, Betsy D, Chad L, Rochelle, Marion, 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 mm-hmm. name a TV show with Marion as the character. Happy Maybe. Days. Oh. Remember Happy Days? The, the mom. Totally. Meg K, Dan N, Angel N, M, Angel M, Rhiannon C. Nice. Corey K, Super Sam, Coleman G, Dev. Nexon. Dev Nexon, yes. Mm-hmm. Michelle A, Jeremy C, Cody R, Gavinator, David C, John B, Brandy. Uh, L. D. Damn. Yeah. Vor. Yeah, Vor. Camille S, The C, Joey M, Willie F, Christina E, Adelaide N, Omar I, Lena N, Eugene and Leah, Chris P, Nikki G. Who else we got here? If you left, Corey, Patricia, Heather L, Jake B. Is that a Jake B? Bobbit, Ed A, Ed A? We- <laughs> Abel, we said Abel, right? A B E L. Yeah, Abel. Like, Abel as F, in, as in Cain and Cain and Abel. Joshua B, Tony G, Sean R, and Megan T. Without the uh, patrons, I don't, again, I don't know where this podcast would be. So I thank you dearly, and um, you know, thank God for our sponsors. You know, sponsors mm-hmm. are here, and hopefully, people re- react, respond. You know, to a lot of these uh, sponsors that uh, you know, because what happens is they buy a spot for your show Mm -hmm. and if they see that people are using the spot the codes and things then they stick around and if not they're like see ya and you can't really control that other than trying to sell the product that you believe in yeah so you spend a lot of time saying yes i'll read endorsements for this because i believe in this company or i believe you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's uh it's not easy it's not easy you can't expect your listeners to always not be fast forwarding through shit and you hope they don't so thanks for putting up with me. Is there anything else we need to talk about? <sighs> 200 episodes, wow. uh, Patreon, uh, you know, all that stuff. I think we've got great guests coming up. I really have a lot of great guests coming up. And uh, the last two months of, of guests have been awesome. You know, we had Jensen and uh, Tom Welling and Brad, Brandon Routh and uh, Angie Harmon and Chris Diamantopoulos. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a great guest. And a lot of people don't know him. And he's not on social media. And so it's hard. You think, who's going to watch this? Who's going to listen? And I urge you to listen to the last podcast with Christy Amantopoulos because you're going to love him. His impressions, he does uncanny. Uh, Johnny Carson and Robin Williams and Three Stooges Mo and his story about the Three Stooges with the Fairley Brothers, how they paid him nothing to do the lead role in that movie. So I, I urge you to listen to some uh, podcasts that you may not be interested in. Christian Mentopolis, but I'm going to let you know about that. Um, thank you for listening today, wherever you are. Thanks for spending an hour with us. Uh, it really means a lot to me. And uh, can't wait to uh, give you some big news that's coming up. Can't really talk about it yet, but uh, it's it's really fun. And I think, uh, I think you're going to dig it. But until then, I am uh, Michael Rosenbaum from the Hollywood Hills of California. <laughs> I'm Ryan Taylor from the Hollywood Hills of California. <laughs> hey, baby. California, baby. Uh, a little way to the camera. We love you guys. Be good to yourselves, all right? Be good to yourselves. I heard a good quote. Mm. It's very simple, but mm. it, it was effective. Mm. It was, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift, and that's why it's called the present. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. I, I like it. Was that Martha Stewart? No, but I oh. dig it. I saw it and it kind of put a tear in my eye. I'm like, you know, sometimes you need to pay attention to the 
to the obvious. We're here right now. Yep. Stop worrying about the future. Stop worrying about the past. We're here. We're in this moment. So just remember that. I hope you have a glorious day. And uh, come visit us next week. We'll keep the light on for you. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. All right, great. See you guys. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.